We are gathered here today because of one man, a man known personally to most of us, known by reputation to many, a man respected by those whom he worked with, a man who was comfortable in a crowd and also a man who loved the solitude. A man who had great ideals, but also had great compassion. That man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. It is he whom we proclaim, beloved son of the Eternal Father, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, buried, risen, and now lives, victor, at the right hand of the Father. It is because of him, because of his life, his death, and most of all, his resurrection, that we do not mourn in despair, but we, we grieve in hope, in hope. And in great confidence, we commend Richard Meyer to the mercy of God. On behalf of our grandmother and the entire Meyer family, I want to thank you for your presence here, for your many words of consolation, and even more, for the many prayers you have offered at the death of our father and grandfather, our uncle and great-grandfather, Richard Meyer. In Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, there's a very unique church titled Dominus Flavit, the Lord wept. It marks the spot where Jesus wept over Jerusalem and it overlooks the whole city of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount and everything. What a beautiful spot and what a beautiful truth that Jesus wept, that Jesus wept. If Jesus can weep, so can we. The incarnation of Jesus gives us the freedom to grieve. If the Son of God can shed tears out of grief, then we have the freedom to do so as well. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of breaking down. It's a sign of health, is it not? To grieve the death of one whom we love. Mother Angelica, the hard-nosed and tough founder of EWTN, was caught sobbing at the funeral of her mother. And someone came up to her and said, Mother, don't you believe in the resurrection? Why are you crying? 
And she turned and said, Can't I miss her too? Can't I miss her too? Indeed, we're going to miss Richard Meyer, the man most of us affectionately called Grappa Dick. We are going to miss him. We can talk all we want, we can prepare all we want for the reality of death. But we will never be ready for our own death or for anyone else's. For we're not meant to die. God did not make death. That one's on us, isn't it? Even the sweet, sweet Saint Therese and her great holiness and her little way said, I don't think I'll ever be ready to die. And even Jesus, the beloved Son of the Father, the very author of life, as he enters the garden to prepare and to accept his own death, because it was so foreign to him, so foreign to God, the reality of death, cries and sweats blood in agony. That's how foreign death is to God. I think knowing this gives us the freedom to grieve. But to grieve not as a stoic, grinning and bearing it, but the freedom to grieve as a beloved son or daughter of the Father. Not in the orphan spirit, but in the spirit of freedom which cries out, Abba, Father. We can grieve and hope as tears bathe the soul. We also look to Jesus forever and to eternity. And every moment of death is a time to consider our own place in eternity. Even as we pray for Grandpa to enter swiftly into eternal glory, we should also be mindful of ourselves. Every funeral reminds us of just how thin the veil is between this world and the next, between time and eternity. So we do not come to this place and leave unchanged. As we celebrate God's goodness and mercy to Richard, we are also attentive and responsive to those realities in our own lives. This encounter with death, the Paschal mystery in eternity, changes us as well. The spirit of Richard Meyer was a great one, was it not? It was a great, generous spirit. As a boy flowers into a man and becomes a father, as a man becomes a father, he dies to himself and gives himself over to his bride, to his children, in sacrificial love. Fatherhood gives life on many levels, does it not? But most of all, relational. An evidence of the fatherhood of 
Richard Myers before us with great fruitfulness. And many sons and daughters, many grandsons and granddaughters, many nieces and nephews, who knew the touch of his fatherhood. I know his sons and daughters have found a special meaning in an epic poem that resonates with the life of Grandpa Dick. The great epic poem, The Song of Hiawatha, captures in the beauty of literature an image of the heart and a spirit of a man whom we came to know in Dick. In this great epic poem by Henry Longfellow, he paints a picture of a man named Hiawatha, a mythical figure, but yet one very relatable and whom we can understand and who relates to our own experience of our father and grandfather. But he paints a picture of a man whose heart has been pierced by God's grandeur in creation. A man whose love of nature gave him the freedom to enjoy and to rejoice in the lakes and the streams, the winds and the woods. Paints a picture of a thoughtful man whose noble and natural virtue allows him to recognize the hand of God working in hidden ways and deep thoughtfulness. So for Wadsworth Longfellow, this figure Hiawatha ends his life in a beautiful way. Before his departure, he joyously welcomes guest missionaries, whom he calls the pale face, the priest of prayer, and the black-robed chief who brings the word of God. Hiawatha bids farewell and gives his people this charge. But these guests I leave behind me, in your watch and word I leave them. See that never harm comes near them. See that never fear molest them. Never danger nor suspicion, never want of food or shelter in the lodge of Hiawatha. And to his clan, his family, he continues, But my guests I leave behind me. Listen to their words of wisdom. Listen to the truth they tell you. For the master of life has sent them from the land of light and morning. Hiawatha then waves goodbye, launches his canoe, and departs for the last time into the islands of the blessed and to the land of the hereafter. We all leave this world naked as we came forth from our mother's womb says Job. With nothing to offer God, do we? Someone once asked St. Therese of Lisieux, what will you give God when you get to heaven? What will be your great gift? 
and she pondered many things. It would have been her hours of prayer, her writings, which we all receive from so beautifully about the little way, her consecration and her vows, her many acts of charity, her patience with her sisters. St. Therese prayed about it, and she said, You know, when I approach the Father in heaven, I will approach him with empty hands, for I have nothing to give, and I only desire to receive. The spirit is captured beautifully in the Austrian funeral rites for the imperial family. Some of you may be familiar with this. It's quite striking. Whenever a member of the Habsburg family dies, they're buried in a very simple crypt in the Capuchin Friary, not too far from the cathedral of their capital city. And there as they go to this very simple friary, from the funeral to the burial place, the Grand Chamberlain knocks three times with a silver cane on the door of this Capuchin convent which contains the imperial crypt. And the Capuchin friar who serves as porter, asks, Who is there? The Grand Chamberlain proclaims the name and titles of this great patriarch. Something like, I am Otto of Austria, Emperor, Apostolic King of Hungary, King of Bohemia, Dalmatia, Croatia, etc. Upon hearing this, the friar refuses to open the door and says, I do not know you. The Grand Chamberlain knocks on the door again, and in answer to the porter's question, who is there, just gives the simple name of the deceased, something like, I am Otto of Austria, His Majesty and Emperor the King. The friar again refuses admission. I do not know you. For a third time, the Grand Chamberlain knocks on the door and the porter asks anew, Who is there? This time he simply states, I am a poor and mortal sinner. To this, the friar responds, Come. The doors open wide, and the casket is carried in, being received by a double row of Capuchin friars. Isn't that how we all approach the heavenly gates? As poor and humble sinners, as beggars before God, in great need of mercy and consolation and peace. We are here then today to pray for God's inexplicable mercy to a poor sinner, to this sinner, Richard Meyer. For this moment at this holy place, we will not allow our admiration 
to deprive him of our prayers. In this sacred place, we show him our affection and we do him good by praying for him. That all stain of sin be washed away, that all wounds be healed, that he be purified of all that is not of Christ, that he rest in peace. Jesus, Son of the living God, we thank you for this great life of Richard Meyer and the great blessing that he was to us. Our hearts cry out and we beg you, Jesus, Gather him to yourself. And in addition to his life being a a blessing to us, may it be a victory as well over sin and death. And may he behold your face forever.